Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Megan Gomez. This is Collateral Gaming. Happy Halloween, and welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. And I know we're missing the deadline by a little bit okay it's a little bit late to say happy halloween but you know what we got some personal stuff that we had to deal with and yeah (laughs) it was uh it was an interesting halloween in the week following so happy halloween guys we're sorry that's a little bit late yeah it's all good because we're we're here now and, and we're gonna talk about a horror game but uh before we get into that how was your halloween megan um, it was really good. Just hung out with the hubby and the family, uh, cooked some burgers with a couple friends, nothing too crazy, uh, obviously, because, nice. you know, it's a pandemic, and we don't have any kids or any dogs, because we used to take the dogs uh, trick-or-treating, and we'd see if anybody had dog treats, but um, right now we just have the cat, and the cat doesn't exactly like to go outside, so we just went out and grilled out. What about you, Ash? For me, you know, it was my daughter's first Halloween that she would be fully, like, conscious you know, during 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 the the holiday, so it would have been nice to be able to trick or treat with her. But like we said, it's a it's a very special year. It's it's COVID going on, so we decided to play it safe. But uh, I was spending time with family, had a little Halloween party at my parents' place, and uh, we enjoyed each other's company. And even though she didn't get to trick or treat and have candy, she did get plenty of sweets, so it w- it was nice. There you go. And um, I, I think actually Zach and I were going to try to record that night, but <laughs> our Halloween bonus round episode, but um, we ended up doing that, I think, the day after. If you haven't checked that out, go check that out now, because we did get to talk about some of our favorite horror game moments, as well as uh, get into Resident Evil 7. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That one's I- got some spoopy ass shit in there. I almost I wanted to do it actually after playing it I was like man I should have chosen this for the for the horror game but um, I haven't played too many horror games I I will admit I'm kind of getting into the genre now Um, we had a few that we had all that we had talked about you know that we have put in our list right and until dawn was one of the ones that you had suggested I believe. Yeah, I actually, um, it was between this and Amnesia, just because it's a freaking classic, but also none of us really have, you know, the capacity to play that on any of our systems right now, because all of our shit's overloaded, so I was like, you know what, let's do a console game, let's do Until Dawn, and, you know, it's a good one, it's it's one that's, it's unexpected, kind of, I would say. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it really is. And, and and it may not be the first horror game that you think of, but I think it's an interesting one. And, and, and the entire thing is set up like a horror slasher movie, which is really cool. Yeah. And, and we'll have, you know, every season to talk about more horror games. We did PT last season, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Really sad that we never got to see Silent Hills in its full glory. Yeah, I don't know if I would play that one. Silent Hill is definitely like, I don't know if it's just because it triggers childhood memories, but like, I am fucking terrified of anything related with Silent Hill. Fucking terrified. <laughs> I'm like, nope, no way. No, ma'am. I'm out. Bye. Okay. Well, what's your, <laughs> what's, what's your favorite horror game? Ooh, um, you know, that's a really good question. Um, I would say Until Dawn is up there. Um, Dead Space is a really big one for me. I, would, I don't know if that one would be considered horror as more of like a slasher kind of thing. Um, if you're, I don't know if it's considered, but the Friday the 13th game where you get to play as uh, one, oh. of the, the, one of the kids are uh, Jason, or not Jason, Jason, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. okay, I literally scared myself. Um, uh, you can like choose to play, like not choose, but it's kind of like um, Among Us where you're like one of the kids or you're Jason. That one's really fucking fun. It's not, it's it's scary when like your friend is running after you. So I don't know. That one's like more of like a team play kind of thing, but I love that game so much. I saw that and I, I was really interested in it. It's something that I, I want to pick up at some point because uh, with Collateral Cinema, I've been exposing myself also to a lot of horror movies, including uh the uh the friday the 13th series and nightmare on elm street and and halloween robert and Bo are huge horror junkies so that that was definitely something that stood out to me maybe next season we'll do that i know zach was talking about uh i think it was outlast was the one that zach was oh fuck that's one i was trying to think of the name fuck that game but i literally <laughs> cried like a little bitch in a corner for like two hours because he just comes up and fucking grabs you and i was not expecting it like it was calm and i was like it's too calm and then this motherfucker that's huge with his face all burnt just grabs you i don't know i literally was like crying and i was like no i can't do this right now like i'm gonna have a heart attack i think i was like 19 at the time i was like i'm gonna have a heart attack guys Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was bad. Like, I was terrified. It was like when the game first came out, and I was like, <laughs> Yeah, no, there are definitely some some horrifying moments. Um, PT is, is one of those games for me that just really, really, really gets me. Um, Resident Evil 7, same thing. I mean, I found it difficult to even progress in the game because, you know, I kind of had, had this feeling like I was always being hunted. And Oh, Blair uh, Witch, too. Blair Witch Blair is a Witch. pretty scary one. I played that one for the first time. It's a Blair Last Witch year. game. Yeah, it's it's based off of the movie. Like you you have the camcorder and stuff, and you have to like rewind, and you've got the dog, and it's fucking terrifying. Like I don't play very many horror games. Like I will warn you guys now. Like even just like anything having to do with the paranormal, I'm kind of sketchy of just because I've had some very very strange and bad experiences. So like when it comes to like spooky stuff, I'm like, I'll play it, but if it gets too spooky, I'm fucking I'm out. Later, I'm going to go play some Final Fantasy and pretend that never happened. <laughs> Fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah, literally. I will like I don't play Final Fantasy that much, but I will literally go and play, what is it, 15, 17? Where you're playing as, what's his name? Yeah, 17. I will go pick that up Yeah. and ride around in the car and drive around and just take pictures and shit. I'm like, no, no, I need to clear my <laughs> brain of what the fuck just happened. If you ever play PT on, on VR, oh my god, I, I couldn't even do it. Like I had to take the headset off. Like any horror game in VR is is just insurmountable. I don't I don't know how. <laughs> I'm do good. It. I'm I'm litty titties on that. I'm good. <laughs> 
Until Dawn also is is a pretty scary game. Uh, that parts. Most of it is just kind of tense. It's it's more of a jump scares. Yeah, it's very tense. Like you feel something's eyes on you, and then it just fucking jumps at you, and you're like, damn it! Like now that I've been exposed to scarier games like Outlast, I'm I'm a little bit better. But this game, like when I very first played it, I was like, what the fuck? There are a couple moments that made me jump, and one of those actually made it into my my top five. Uh, jump scares in gaming list on our on our uh, uh, bonus run episode we just did and I'll probably bring that up in a little bit but I guess to kind of get into the game that the we're, we're going to talk about today until dawn um, we'll start with you know as we usually do kind of the development history yep and and this game is actually developed by super massive games and is actually kind of a surprising move from them because they're not known for this type of game, or at least, mm -hmm. you know, up to this point. Uh, and this came out in what, 2014, 20, 2015. I have the case in front of me. Hold on. Yes. 15. 15. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So five, about five years ago, uh, super massive games is a British company, a British company based in British. Surrey. It's Basel, <laughs> not Basel. Get it right. Yeah, but all the actors in this are American, which is pretty interesting, I suppose. And the the writers are American. Yeah, it stars. Uh, I know the two ones that I remember probably from childhood, and then also I um, not I Robot. Um, I am Robot. Hayden Hayden, Hayden Panettiere. Hayden Panettiere from, uh, and Rami Heroes, Malek. And Rami Malek from uh, well, he's from a lot of shit, but I remember most recently in the uh, the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. They're both great actors. Ah, Rami Malek is one of my favorites. Love him to death. I have watched so much content of him. He's a great dude. Rami Malek is great. Rami Malek and Hayden Panettiere. Like I said, I honestly I, I Hayden Panettiere, and all I can think of is save the cheerleaders, save the world. But um, she she kind of brings that vibe into his. Which anyway, we'll, we'll talk about the performances to it a little bit. But uh, Supermassive Game is actually most of their titles are, you know, PlayStation exclusives. Yeah. And this game is not an exception to that. However, more recently, they started uh, working on the Dark Pictures Anthology, which is a multi-platform game, and they're partnered with Bandai Namco on that. Love Bandai Namco. Bandai Namco. I mean, yeah, they're uh, mostly, they're, they're behind a lot of... Uh, I know they did the, the Naruto Storm series. Most of the Naruto games, like pretty much any any major like anime anime game, is going to be by Bandai Namco. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they're working together on that, which is pretty interesting. I haven't actually even heard of that, so I I, I have to go check that out sometimes. Um, what they were known for prior to Until Dawn was actually uh, they've been involved in a lot of the Little Big Planet DLC and spinoffs. Yes, that's a really good game. I love those. <laughs> those are so fun. I wanted to talk about it at some point. Lillian, my, my wife, um, had expressed interest in being on an episode of Little Big Planet, so that'll definitely come up at some point. That will be great because we can finally have another female voice on the podcast. Sometimes I feel like I have to talk like a bro because I'm like, yeah, man, it's just me and the bros. <laughs> We're talking on the fucking podcast, man. Talking Ugh. on the podcast. So uh, some other things that... Supermassive games have been behind is the Start the Party series, um, Doctor Who the Eternity Clock, which is the game I've played. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, and actually, I really enjoyed that game. I thought it was really, really cool, and it surprised me to hear that the same studio that is behind this game did that. I mean, they're just they're just wildly different games. Uh, they did the HD remake or remaster of Killzone. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Killzone is the one that I remember notably from them. 
Yeah. And then also Hidden Agenda, which I think is more similar to this game, kind of more of that horror slasher feel, but I think came out more recently. And then Sony Computer Entertainment, now known as Sony Interactive Entertainment, was the publisher behind this, and which is per usual for any um, for any first party game. You know, and any game that's developed exclusively for PlayStation is going to be published by Sony. And Sony's got to have their hand in the cookie jar on that. Yes, yeah, exactly. And then contrast that with uh, Mass Effect, which I played, which uh, Microsoft Game Studios was behind at least the first one. So yes, and that was originally only came out on the 360. So. Hmm. You bet your sweet bippy it did. Believe me, I know them facts, honey. <laughs> yeah, and we actually, we had a great time talking about Mass Effect. So if you guys want to go check out that bonus round episode, that's out. Yeah, that and... one came first. Sorry, guys. I had to celebrate N7 Day and kick it off with style because I got dropped a bomb and I was so excited. I was like, Ash, I know we got to record this Halloween episode and we're overdue, but like, bro, it's N7 Day. Like, come on, man. He's like, all right, whatever. Just let's fucking do it. <laughs> It's in seven, so <laughs> yeah, no, it, we had to do that. But I'm glad that we're talking about this now, finally getting this out of the way. Uh, one thing that's interesting about Until Dawn is it was written by a pair of American horror writers, Larry Fessenden and Graham Resnick. And let me see if I can pull up stuff that they've been involved in. Or at least Fessenden was uh, involved in movies such as writers slash directorial credits. Uh, no telling habit. Wendigo or Wendigo. Oh, Wendigo! No, that's <laughs> two thousand one, which is interesting because that this game is about Wendigos. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just ugh. every time I think Wendigo, I just think of Supernatural, the first season. Oh, and, yeah. And Corey Monteith same. getting snatched up by a Wendigo. <laughs> I, I think the same thing, actually. That reminds me of Supernatural because that was that was like the second episode or third episode. It was the third one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, The Last Winter. Uh, he also has an impressive amount of uh, of uh, acting credits, and he has directed some uh, TV stuff. Let's see, anthology horror comedy film, The ABCs of Death 2. That's pretty interesting. So this guy's involved in the horror industry, and, and I, I believe Resnick was as well. And, and so from a perspective of development by a British company it is interesting that we've involved some writers and originally mm -hmm. that that was the idea was to make this game feel like a horror uh, movie or like a slasher movie yeah and in, in fact this game was originally conceived as a title exclusive to the PlayStation move which kind of I felt like that thing flopped really bad I don't know about you I just I, I never saw the the reason to get it I, I I don't know about you Ash but me personally I don't know how it ends up. I bought my Xbox after it came out, and I still ended up getting a first generation. Like, I always get the first generation of everything, and that's just how it ends up for me. Um, <laughs> and, and, like, I had already bought the PlayStation. I got it. Like, someone had literally traded in it to GameStop. I was just I was just shopping around GameStop, and um, someone was with me, and they bought it for me. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to go spend money on a PS Move. Like, I don't need that. But I know that this was originally supposed to be... Um, kind of like in, uh, Last of Us, where you can have, you know, like, you shake the controller, I know, like, you would do different things to interact with different characters, so, like, when they pick up a lamp or things like that, um, it's supposed to be more interactive to get people to get off their asses, I guess, and for us to fall on the floor whenever there's freaking horror scenes. <laughs> yeah, and, and I will say that a lot of those elements still shine through in the game. Now, obviously, the game isn't isn't is on the PS4 instead of the PS3, and it doesn't use the PlayStation Move accessory. But they did make use of the motion controls yeah. on the uh, the the uh, the DualShock controller. 
or what did they call the PS4 controller? I know it's it's the DualShock 4, but it's also called something else. Yeah, uh, let me look it up. But while you're looking that up, um, one other interesting thing is that apparently this was intended for a younger audience. I, I don't know if they were how they were going to do a horror slasher film vibe and, and make it for a younger audience, but that's what they were going for, and that was why we had the, the motion controls. Um, it was supposed to have a much bigger emphasis on narrative than you know Supermassive's previous games, and originally was supposed to be first person. Actually, it's just DualShock Three and DualShock Four. It's just uh, the the newest one is going to be the Dual Sense, which is interesting. I know that. Yeah, I know that the dual the the dual the new one's called the Dual Sense. I want to say though, the DualShock Four did have. I mean, that's its main no- name name, but I, I want to say it it was also called something else, or maybe it was the DualShock Three. But that's neither here nor there. That I don't think it matters. That's in the past. <laughs> So uh, the other thing I wanted to mention also was that uh, there actually was a lot of positive reception to this title early on, even in its early development stages where it was a PS3 move title. Um, It was kind of this alpha gameplay that was shown. And aside from the criticism towards making the the PlayStation move controls like an exclusive way to navigate the game, um, there, there was a lot of you know, hope and, and hype for this game. So, and I guess because of the long development time, that hype only increased. <laughs> yeah. Something that's also interesting that I, I, I actually didn't know until I was checking out, you know, like we have obviously points guys, like there's no way we're going to be able to just talk this off without a list. Just saying, <laughs> um, this was actually used, uh, it was created in the Decima engine, which is made by Guerrilla games. Yes. I thought you would like that. Yes, um, also the people that created um, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is interesting because I didn't, until now, like, I can actually understand the gameplay because, um, kind of tying into Horizon a little bit because I kind of want to bring up the engine for this, um, even just the stumbles and falls that these characters have is, is actually realistic, it's not just like they fall flat on their side or whatever, they actually stumble and they'll fall and, you know, they'll roll and things like that, which is really cool that Guerrilla Games was able to create an engine like that with, you know, the budget that they had, from what I understand, it was not a big budget at the beginning, as most most developers have. So that's something cool. Yeah. I I also um just getting into you know how we're talking about you know all of the the mocap and uh, getting into we're kind of coming into this chunk of actual gameplay. controls and and gameplay. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed um a little bit of static camera movement that we had there in this one. I don't know about you, Ash. It, it, it's like the early Resident Evil games, right? Yeah, it remind it reminded me a lot of like old school horror games like Resident Evil and things like that, where it was just kind of like, okay, like this is kind of only the view we get. I feel like this is for a reason. Like it, there felt like there was a reason behind their camera angling, which is kind of interesting for a game like this. Yeah, kind of almost like God of War as well. Yeah, and and and, and piggybacking on what you said about you know the desktop engine is that decision was actually made at the same time that the entire development shifted for this game so Mm -hmm. after while they were experimenting with the debug camera is when they had actually decided to go in and and use a third person perspective for a more quote-unquote cinematic experience and and i guess since they were going for the feel of a horror slash slasher horror slash horror slash slasher yeah yeah i said that right yeah movie you know i i guess I, i understand why that decision was made it's also when they decided to go ahead and move the game to the PS4, and whenever the 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 whole the story became um, a more mature plot. When and yeah, and also at that time, 
all of the characters or, or most of them ended up being recast. And as far as we can tell, the reason that decision was made was to use better known actors like Hayden Panettiere and, and Rami Malek. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I did kind of want to tie into that. Um, it also makes it, you know, a little bit uh, more intriguing for people that are wanting to buy the console. Um, also, I really do like the fact, um, that it is more cinematic, because if you think about, like, PlayStation exclusives, like, you always think, like, it's this raw cinematic experience, like, you're delved into it, and that's always just how PlayStation exclusives are, and I will always credit PlayStation for that, you know, um, I, of course, as you know, I'm sure everybody knows, because I talk about it all the time, the Gear series, the, the Xbox exclusive is phenomenal, fantastic, that, shit will jerk you into like hugging your knees and like <laughs> rocking back and forth kind of crying um there's some some amazing um xbox exclusives but playstation is really known for its you know one person kind of story title so i really like that they came out with one that was more in the horror scene because if you think about playstation they're more of you know like rpgs and you know like uh, these amazing you know like characters that have these hero archetypes so it was it was cool to see something that they're like hey we're gonna bring this in with the new playstation it's gonna be you know more cinematic more horror slasher i was like i don't really like slasher but i'm into it let's try it fuck it yeah. like i literally <laughs> bought the game and i was like screw it i'm gonna do it <laughs> i i've never been a huge fan of it either that stuff has always kind of freaked me out but like i said i'm being more and more exposed and, and there is a lot of fun to be had in the horror slasher genre um, but the big takeaway here with Until Dawn, more so than that, was the idea of the butterfly effect system. And, and that's something yes. we'll also get into in a little bit. But as far as development goes, they actually had to create a software that would record every player choice that was made. Um, almost like a yep. series of, of nodes. And, and what was also cool was that, you know, as far as rewrites go, they generally tried to avoid that. Because mm -hmm. if you rewrite one aspect, then every subsequent event that depends on that has to be rewritten as well. So what we yes. have here is likely a lot of what the story was from the very beginning. And a lot of that I've heard was um, as far as, as the way that player choices affected the story was inspired by Heavy Rain. Oh, God, that is... Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls, I know we've talked about them a few times here before as a reference because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of games were inspired by them to do this kind of like butterfly effect choices. And this game was no different. And it really it, it at first when you think about it, it's not really kind of like in the same, you know, I want to say like type, you know, obviously because it's a horror slasher. But once you get into it a little bit more, you can kind of sense, you know, the Heavy Rain inspiration. You know, you do one little thing. It's like I said in Mass Effect, but it's a little bit different. You know, this one is more of a butterfly. That one's more like action and consequence kind of thing. But you do one small thing, you know, you could end up killing a character off. You know, someone hits their head, that ends up killing them later on because they get dizzy or something like that. Like you have to think of survival. Um, so it's, it's very different and, you know, in heavy rain and beyond two souls, it's no different. You can choose to save yourself and beyond two souls and go with Aiden, you know, and that's the cool thing about this game is like, even if you have somebody that made a similar choice to you, you're not all going to come out with the same ending. Right. Yeah. It, there's so many choices to be made and every choice is permanent. There is a yes. strict auto system that was, that that's put in place and it's not necessarily intended to punish the player, but it, the developers felt that it was necessary, you know, so that you actually 
there's weight to your choices or and it even yes. extends beyond your choices. If you fail a quick time event sequence and a character dies, I mean, you fucked up the rest of the game. You're going to have to play through the rest of the game or start the entire thing over. You're not going to be able to load back. And and that's, a you know, a consequence that I myself had to deal with. Yes. You know, a character dies. The story doesn't end there. <laughs> yeah, no, it continues on. And, and as a, you know, my first playthrough, I think I came out with, I think, two survivors. I think it was Hayden and Rami. To be honest with you. Was it? Yeah. And I can't even remember. I always just called them Hayden and Rami, even though I know their freaking names. But I just, I'm like, oh, it's Hayden Pianetier. It's Rami, it's Rami Malik. Like, <laughs> I remember, like, as you go through the game, like, you just watch your friends die off. Or, like, you can, like, see from another perspective how someone dies because it, like, ties into each other on a time sequence. And you're like, yeah. oh, fuck. <laughs> like, damn it. And, and that affects the game later on. You know, they'll reference those characters' deaths. So it's something that's supposed to carry weight into the narrative and and this might have been a risk as a design choice but it ultimately enhances the horror elements i mean you really yeah. feel like i can't let this character die or or they're gonna be dead you know and, and there's even yeah. kind of a, a similar pacing to that as we see in games like resident evil and silent hill yes very very similar even even outlast you know like you feel like you know you have to get through this point or this big fucking Burly motherfucker that's naked except for an apron is chasing after you. Like, you're fucking terrified and you have to get out of that. You have to find your batteries and shit. Like, uh, there's yes. a the, there's a pacing that happens in horror games that you just, it's necessary to do this thing or you're fucked. Completely fucked. And you don't want to see the brutal death. <laughs> it builds up the suspense. And that pacing is awesome here because deaths don't t happen very early on. In fact, I think the first character that can die is Jessica. And the only character that died at my playthrough. So you're just kind of building up to this, and there's some jump scares, and there's some tense situations, but it's not until a big portion of the game that, that characters actually start dying. And so there's always that, that sense of dread. And, and actually, terror was what they mostly wanted to focus on here. There was, obviously, they had to decide the right proportions of horror and terror and disgust, but terror... Which mm -hmm. is what uh, is defined here as the dread of an unseen threat. It, it, it was really the focus, and, and so mm -hmm. in order to um, in order to invoke fear in the players and, and to really increase that sense of terror, they actually ended up uh, during development with their play testers, they used a galvanic skin response test to, to measure the fear. <laughs> oh, that's that weird, like creepy, like sweat test thing, right? Where it like tests yeah. like all of your responses. Oh God, no wonder. Yeah. Oh. And then playing into that further, um, we obviously had to have an awesome soundtrack that was going to, um, th that was going to increase terror, you know, and, and, and increase your sense of fear and so, uh, and that was composed by Jason Graves, and it's it's described as reactive, meaning that as you're approaching a, a threat, or as the, yes. the player character does, the the music is going to get louder. Yeah, it's not just like you know your typical game where you know you get into an enemy area, you know, like in Zelda, you know, like when you get into Gerudo Field and you get a you know a Gerudo Field, Hyrule <laughs> Field. Um, <laughs> God, I can't. I even yesterday with Mass Effect guys, I keep switching names because we've been talking about so many games recently. Like Ash and I will go off on a tangent before we record and talk about like ten freaking games. So I'm sorry that I cannot remember anything, but going into uh, what I was talking about, if you get into, you know, the field of an enemy, you know, it starts playing like battle music yeah. and this, it's just like, it's quiet and you know, it's kind of like slow and it's almost like, you know, like slow orchestra type. 
and then it just builds up and you're like okay something might happen like what the fuck and then all of a sudden it's just da -da 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 -da, and you're like oh okay um i'm gonna fucking die if i don't make some choices <laughs> right the fuck now like it's very reactive to you it's not and that's that's kind of what makes this game unique to other horror games is like other horror games it's just gonna you know your play through your storyline it's gonna have a set point for your your um your sound yeah for this game it's whenever you go through different parts of the map, like I wouldn't say map, but more like different parts of the story and through different parts with characters. If you begin to encounter a threat, then music just all of a sudden is like, hey, hey, then <laughs> you're like, oh, shit. Oh, OK. Um, and it's exactly. it's like really like ominous and vague type music until you just all of a sudden see there's a fucking Wendigo in your face. And you're like, oh, my God. OK, ah! that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I and I liked how they even used some film music editing techniques with the uh, with the Decima engine even programming the uh, how the music would be layered depending on players' choices. Yes, and and this this soundtrack is kind of like catastrophically beautiful. Like it has very very uh, like I said like orchestra you know like classical type moments in it, which is kind of you know different for you know a horror game especially. Um, but also for, like, a cinematic-type game. You know, of course, when you think, like, orchestra, you're going to think, of course, Final Fantasy, they always use an orchestra, but, like, this is something completely all in itself, which is really, really cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool. What I mean, what did you think about the music overall? Um, Like I said, I thought it was, like, catastrophically beautiful, um, and I, I really, really loved how, you know, like, even the music, from what I understand, can, like, change depending on your choice. Yeah. Um because I remember, like, my friend played through one part, and she's like, man, the music was, like, really sad. And I was like, what? Like, I had happy music because, like, they fucking saved each other. Like, what do you mean? Like, it changes depending on your, your butterfly choice is what I call them. It's just, like, your, your I choose, say, like, butterfly choice because you can see in the top left of the screen there's, like, butterfly wings that start flapping. And you can't really see it unless you're paying attention to it, which really fucks you up if you make a catastrophic choice because it's just, like, blink, blink, and then it's yeah. gone. I enjoyed that as well, and I also liked the the theme song "Oh Death." That was that was pretty interesting. But I, I guess yeah. tying that in now to the gameplay. Mm -hmm. Well, I said before that this game was kind of like you know a telltale game in, in, in the sense of being an interactive drama. How do you think it compares to to titles like that? Um, this one's a little bit different because you know like. <sighs> trying to describe a telltale game because they're they're all kind of different in their own you know in their own way but they're right. all st still kind of the same for this one it's it's more catastrophic i would say um because it's, it's literally life or death instead of just like oh i could have been with this guy but i was with this guy like it's it's like it's not like a flip the pages book where you get to you know flip the page 93 and this is your outcome like this one's more like if you don't project this fall. You're going to fall and hit your head and then you're going to die two hours later when you're running from a fucking Wendigo. Like yes. it's completely different, completely different. So I like how it's like, it's very similar to these games, but it's also its own type, kind of like Majora's Mask as we talked about um, in our season premiere. It's, it's like the other Zelda games, but it's different. Okay. Like it's very, it's same, but different. So right. for me, that's kind of how I feel. What yeah, about you? 
like those kinds of games, I mean, it's obviously it's it's going to be mostly interactive cutscenes and and some third person exploration. But when I when I've tried to describe these types of games to people, you know, I like to say it's it's more just like an interactive movie or, or an interactive story than it is a video game. And so I think it's a really really interesting experience for the for mm-hmm. uh, for a player. But uh, like you said, though, the, the main difference here, I think, is, is the fact that there are just the smallest little choices that you can make that, like the butterfly effect, will have reverberations and echoes on later events that you may have no way of knowing. I mean, early on in the game, there's a, there's a bird that you can shoot at, and your instinct is to, is to shoot at it, right? But if you do that, that'll fuck you up later on, and the animals are going to attack you. <laughs> yep. You know, and, Yeah, because they fucking... Well, yeah. That's almost like the the totems, right? Which, like a lot of the other optional clues and items that can be found during the linear progression, the totems are are are, are available to find. And and what the totems do is they actually predict future events. But what I found is that they weren't as helpful as you think they would be, because it no. would be a, a totem telling you about some kind of event, but not really how to prevent it. It would be something that just happened in some later chapter, and you're like, oh, fuck, well, I mean, it warned me, but I, I don't know what I was supposed to do to, to stop it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to, like, read into them so much. And, like, my first playthrough, it was a couple months after it came out, and I definitely went through some guides, like Wiki Guide fucking hell i needed that like my first playthrough my very first one i think everybody died okay pretty sure everybody died so i started it over everybody Everybody can can die die. you can or everybody can live yeah everybody can die everybody can live you can lose one to four yeah you can like literally lose everybody or it can just be like one thing um i think my second playthrough hayden and rami lived and then i got almost everybody in my my most recent playthrough but you literally have to like consult a guide to be able to get everybody to live like there's no way you can just do it naturally sorry guys hate to break it to you i i did i tried to mostly do it on my own okay but um there were certain points in the story where i because i wanted everyone to live and after i think my first character died the only character that died for me was jessica after that, I was like, well, how, how, how can I keep everybody alive? So I try not to spoil myself too much, but I would learn like certain things that would happen in certain events to watch out for. But I, I tried yeah. to let myself play, kind of play the game spoiler-free. There was one other point where I did look up online to see what the outcome of a choice that I had already made would be and how I could possibly recover from that. And that helped me um, make sure that every character survived but I did ruin their relationship by doing so. And I'd already fucked up. I had to deal with that. Um, the other time was was in the scene where you have to pick between Ashley or Chris has to pick between Ashley and Josh, you know, in, in the um, in, in the, the bus all scene. I was like, wait a second. I thought I thought everybody could live. So I, I, I did have to I did have to look up to just to make sure. And I yeah. thankfully came across something that didn't spoil that moment for me because it's a really, really crazy moment later on when you realize that, you know, that was fake and Josh was behind everything. But uh, I'm glad that um, I did at least find out that the choice that you make would not have an impact later on on the story. Thank God. Yeah, that would have <laughs> fucked me up because I remember my first playthrough, I think I picked him and my second playthrough, I picked Ashley. I think and then my last him playthrough, no I picked what. Ashley. Huh? I think it picks him no matter what. But it doesn't matter because he doesn't actually die. So <laughs> Yeah, fuck him. 
Ah, fuck Josh. That's another interesting part of the story, and, and I guess we'll get into that in a second. But um, another aspect of, of of the game, besides the butterfly effect system, besides the um, the various totems and clues and secrets, which, by the way, can be carried across multiple playthroughs. But we also have quick time event sequences, and th and that's something that you normally see in this type of a game. And some people criticize quick time event sequence, but I like QTEs. Yeah. Uh, piggybacking off of what you said, I actually, that's the reason how I found out not to kill everybody. Because, like, I, I, I honestly, I think I accidentally skipped the tutorial in my first playthrough. Okay. So I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. So I was literally just winging it, and I wanted to get through the game so I could, like, play over. Because, like, like it's like we said, like, you can't just go back. Like, you have to discontinue playing the game. And yeah. I literally was, like, so fucking confused. And I didn't know what I was doing, so I left the game down for a few months, and then I picked it back up. Even more confused, so I just sent it through the game and made sure to kill everybody. My second playthrough, I fucked up. And I quit the game, so I literally had just, like, I was playing as Rami... And Hayden, so I considered them saved because I was, like, switching back between the two. And then my last one, I think only one person died, but I can't remember who died. And it was at the very end. Mm -hmm. So you can redeem yourself, but that's because I got those hints when I catastrophically fucked up. Because I was literally just running around like a madman picking up shit. So because that shit carries over, you can actually redeem yourself in a later playthrough. I am so sorry to all of these characters I fucking killed you all. <laughs> I, I, I killed Jessica, and after that, I was determined to keep everybody. And what's crazy is everybody who's living can die at the end in the final chapter. Um, yeah. Because there's a there's one of those quick time event sequences that I was mentioning, and throughout the game, there are QTEs that will fuck up. In fact, that's how Jessica died. Jessica died because yeah. I, I failed a, a, a QTE. And so it's not like one QTE will fuck you up, but if you make the wrong choices and, and, and you mess up too many, then it will be the death of a character so you have to be careful with those um often and these the aren't game... just traditional ones either these are like in your face like these are quick ones like they're not like yeah you know like old school god of war where it's like you hold it like this is like you better smash that button like you're fucking i don't even want to talk it's dirty language but you know what i mean here <laughs> there's a there's a risk and reward system because in a lot of cases you have to decide okay am i going to pick the safe route or am i going to pick the quick route and the game presents you with that multiple times and so if you pick the quick route you better be up on those qtes yeah if you if you decide to play it safe the qtes are going to be a lot easier but you may not get to the objective in time uh and in this case i, I think this the situation was uh mike has to get to jessica um by picking every safe route and not messing up too many QTEs. Or I think maybe there's one in particular that fucks it up, and I happen to pick that one. That's the one I happen to fuck up on. They're not too hard, but you really have to be attentive. The, but the hardest ones for me, and the one I was alluding to earlier in the final chapter, are the don't move segments. Because <laughs> you never know when they're coming, and they're easy because... If you think about it, all you have to do is just set your controller down on the table. I'm sorry, that's the way I do it, because it is way too freaking hard to keep it still. But you have to know that it's it's coming. Especially when you're in a horror sequence. Yeah, especially, and, and it's so tense, and you feel the tenseness of the character having to remain completely still. So I put it down on the table, but the problem is is that you have to know that those events are ha are, are coming up and prepare yourself for So there would be times where I could feel that th th those don't move sequences were, were, were about to happen. So I'd go ahead, I'd just put the controller on the table, and I'd be trying to push push the buttons <laughs> from the table because I didn't want to kill a character off. Yeah, those are fucking hard. That's probably one of the hardest things in this game is the, the don't move sequence. Yes. Oh my god. 
but you know with those and with the and with the butterfly effect i mean it really just it it really increases the sense of urgency and, and like i said before you feel the weight of all your decisions uh, or you know mistakes <laughs> There's so many mistakes that you can make, guys. Like, when I intentionally fucked it up, like, you really fuck up. Like, you you don't realize you can really fuck up. Yeah. Like, you bad. Re- like, I was like, oh, my God. I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> no, you really do. And they shove it in your face later on. Like, here's the characters that died. You know, and then the characters react to each other based on, on people that died. And so, you know, like you're in complete control of these characters lives and i like those little moments throughout the story where you you, you meet the uh the the doctor aj hill oh god that performance is so good but he talks to you almost breaking the fourth wall saying you know while you're playing your game and while you're toying with these people's lives but in reality he's talking to josh who's having delusions <laughs> yes but it does feel like that breaking the fourth wall kind of thing i will agree with you on that that's it, it's like and you're sitting there, like, with a sense of dread, like, stop fucking talking to me like this. This is scaring the fuck out of me. And that performance is done masterfully by Peter Stormare. And God, yes. oh, he's just, he's, he's, he's just the right amount of, like, creepy. And, <laughs> and you know, I've seen him in some other shit before. I mean, that dude's everywhere. Yeah, it's like Ale- Alexander Skarsgård with fucking it. He just, he just has to look and he's, like, creepy. It, it, it's the, it's just that presence, right? Yes. Yes, he's just fucking creepy. Sorry, dude, but you're creepy. (laughs) He is creepy. Imagine a night. I hope this was the right thing to do. Where every decision. What the hell was that? And every single action. I just saw someone at the cabin. Affects your fate. Very funny. Guys, come on. And the fate of those around you. Ah! Ah! Oh my god, what the hell was that? Could you live with the consequences? Your choices determine who will survive. Exclusively on PS4. What were your thoughts on, on the story, and and especially you know how that story is influenced by the player choice? Um, you know, I'd have to say because of player choice, you feel like you have more control, but really, like, do you? You know what I mean? Do like, you? Like, I. But do you like really? Um. I definitely felt like, you know, like I was playing God over these fictional characters and I really fucking hated it. And like, also fuck Josh, because like, you don't even realize like you're like, like what, like halfway through the game before you realize that Josh is the one doing all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Just about that's the turning point. And, And what's funny is a lot of the moments in the game that you think are like, you know, someone hunting you or whatever. It's just Josh fucking around with everyone and and then you know then the supernatural shit really kicks in and you're like oh okay there's really something going on here <laughs> yeah but I, I gotta agree with you i mean i i i kind of wish that player choice really did have more of an influence like i'm literally looking for that game where the story is just completely different like what what if you what if you made a game where like 
the entire outcome was different. Like kind of like what Black Black Mirror Bandersnatch did, where the reality of events is different. Like, you know, the killer could be different depending on what choices you make or things like that. But in this game, all of the choices are headed in the same direction. It's just what events happen on the way to getting there and who's going to be alive to tell the tale at the end, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But um, um and and uh, and I really think that beyond the player choice, the, the 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 game itself did manage to really capture the essence of a horror slasher film as it intended. Because I mean, you've got all these these young adults slash teenagers cooped up in a in a in an isolated area on a mountaintop, and and you've got a, a killer going after them, or in this case, killers, and, and a not and a fake killer. Yeah. But you've really got those vibes going on. It straight up feels like it. And, and there's, of course, there's got to be the elements of, of, uh, adulterous sex and, <laughs> Oh God, or, it's or, not a horror film. If they're not it, fucking just saying it's, it's not, a, it's not a horror slasher film unless there's extramarital sex or pre- premarital sex. And, and I, I don't know why it is, but, but ki- serial killers are like, they're, they're like lured to that. They've, they've like a sense like, like, uh, Mike Myers and, <laughs> <laughs> or Michael Mike, not Mike Myers, <laughs> not Shrek. Uh, Michael Myers <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Jason and, and Freddie are all like, it's like they could smell it, right? They're like, oh, they fucking. <laughs> There's teens having sex. <laughs> anyway. Oh, she going she gonna to be pregnant by next week. We better just take care of it now, guys. Let's just be done with it. <laughs> that boy don't know how to wrap it before he taps it. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the choices are actually in regards to things like that. Like, you know, you could play as Mike, who's kind of the womanizer type character. And you can be like, you know, you can get it on if you make the right choices. And and that's kind of a sense of player satisfaction. Like, okay, I managed to get there, you know. Even though Jessica ended up dying, at least we were on good terms before <laughs> it happened. She um, may have died, but at least I got to tap it. At least you got to tap it. Well, or almost. Um, so you said that your first playthrough, everybody died, right? I intentionally killed everybody because I knew that I catastrophically fucked up. Okay. What do you think was the worst decision that you made on that initial playthrough before you knew what the fuck was going on? You mean besides not doing the walkthrough? <laughs> <laughs> like in game, you know? Um, I feel like because I keep talking about it, probably my biggest one, because it's one that you don't realize, is what's his face falling and hitting his head. Okay. Because that one can really fuck him up, and it'll kill him, especially in the end sequence, because he's starting to bleed out, and you don't even realize it until he's covered, because by the end, he's covered in blood, and you're like, oh my god, he's gonna die before we even get out of here. Like, I feel like that was one of my bigger fuck-ups. What about you? For me, it was more so just mishandling that one QTE with Mike. The QTEs, Um, yeah. And and then I did fuck up the relationship between um, Emily and Matt, which, but fuck Emily, she's a bitch, I don't care. And I was just like, you know, just be happy that you both are alive, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> exactly but i, I felt bad agree 1000 percent. I, I felt like matt was a good guy and i made him do a not good thing to save his life <laughs> yeah i it was just i don't know because like all of the characters are so like completely different that i wouldn't even i don't know i don't feel like i hated anybody besides josh like initially i hated josh because he was a fucking dickhead and i was like you're pompous. Like, why are you acting this way? Like, you need to chill the fuck out, dude. There's no one What's that I deal? necessarily... Well, there's nobody that I, I wanted to kill off because I hated them so bad. Oh, I didn't I mean, want to kill anybody off, obviously. Like, I wanted them all to live, but I was like, Josh, you're a dick. I, I, I probably would have let Josh die, but um, 
I I decided to to let him live, and I and I I was nearing the end of the game, so I went ahead and and saw and looked up something and found out that there was there was something that you had to get in order to make sure that Josh lives, which ultimately actually ends up in a worse outcome, I think, because he ends up becoming a Wendigo if you let him live. But I, I did it anyway, which I, I probably would have. And sometimes even if I looked ahead and I knew what choice would be would be the red better one, which wasn't often. I tried to play this game, you know, purely. I still would go with the choice that I would make, you know, because I didn't mm -hmm. want, you know. I feel like Sam was my personal favorite, though, because she's such a badass warrior bitch. Yeah. Like, yes, honey, you go. She's like, guys, we need to get the fuck out. And, of course, like, Jessica and Mike are like, no, we won't go fuck, bro. And they're like, no, we need to get the fuck out of here. You can fuck later. Sam was actually a, a real hitter. Like, she was an awesome character. And and also, there's that one scene where she's in the bath, and you're like, hey. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty no. hot. Not going to lie. Pretty hot. And I, I think I had a, I think I had kind of a crush on Hayden Panettiere ever since Heroes. So you know. And then also, you know what? I feel like because I, I, I hadn't picked up the game in a while. Like we had played a little bit, but I'm pretty sure Brett Dalton is in this. Um, yes, you probably I so. will not. I don't know if you'll know who that is. Um, Brett Dalton plays. Um, yes, he plays Mike. Um, so he is Ward in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Very, very big oh, character in that okay. one. Um, and this was around the same time frame. So I believe he was still shooting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when he was mocapping for this, if I remember correctly, from his Instagram page, because I was following him at the time. I'm glad you brought up Mike, too, because that's another character I wanted to mention is I did not like him at first. I thought, this guy's a sleazebag. He's a womanizer. I don't like him. But over time, like, I actually really, he, he, he got a redemption arc. And he really he became one of the more like likable characters in the story. And at the end, he's the one that figures what's going on. And he and and um, Sam's characters are the ones that ultimately enact the plan. And it, that is just such a cool moment at the end, by the way, because he comes up with the plan. She looks at, she instantly figures out. And then there's there's like three different don't move sequences in a row, and you feel like a badass every time you pull one off. And you're like, Pfft. and then another character leaves, and they go. Pfft. And then another character leaves, and that—that's the moment I'm talking about, where every every character can die, even if they've lived up to this point. But if you do it right, she's gonna do the do move sequence, allowing each character to walk out the door, and then they both yeah. leave, and then he blows up the house. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's a pretty iconic one, and I couldn't because like it's like I said, I played a couple weeks ago, but like it didn't click in my head because I hadn't been watching Shield recently. Um, Alan and I have been kind of waiting because. I don't know about you, Ash, but all of my favorite fucking TV shows are ending this year, and I'm really, really upset about it. So, oh. like, both Alan and I, before we even started dating, before we got married or anything, two of our big ones was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The 100. And then another big one for me is Supernatural. All three of them are ending this year. Damn. So I've been waiting to watch the seventh season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I've been waiting to, like, I've when when a series ends for me, I will watch it from beginning to end and I will binge it to make sure that everything clicks together for a series finale for me. That's just always how I've done it. The only thing that I haven't done that with is Criminal Minds because it's like, what, 18 seasons? Like, I can't... I have yeah. some other shows to watch. SWAT is coming out with a new episode, or, yeah, new season opening next week. So I'm going to be watching that. Um, but, like, for me, I have to, like, watch it all the way through. So I, like, haven't watched it yet. I totally would have clicked it if it was Brett Dalton. But he has a big character or piggybacking on you. Um... He was one of the characters that I was like, you know, 
he seems like the it reminded me of what what movie is that where it's um they're they're like set off the pheromones and they're making them hook up in the woods and it's um it's uh chris hemsworth cabin in the woods cabin in the woods i've heard of it and i have my my aunt keeps wanting me to to watch that movie and and maybe talk about it on the podcast and i i haven't yet but i've heard good things about it yeah i'm pretty sure it's cabin in the woods that one's a pr- that one's like weird but funny uh once you get to the end but it kind of he kind of reminded me of chris hemsworth in that one before you know he i don't want to spoil it but yeah okay they all get fucked up okay that's interesting I'll, i really need to watch that but yeah i thought the motion capture performances in this were fantastic and the characters were were well acted um they acted i mean they they, they were realistic they acted like young adults would act you know yeah even though brett dalton is what in his 30s i think <laughs> They like he acted off. pretty well for being a teenager, yeah. And he's he's a from you know I, I don't know if you've seen it, Ash. I personally am a big Marvel junkie myself. Like I will literally watch anything related to Marvel, and I Agents Marvel. of Shield is no exception. One of my favorite shows of all time. I haven't watched Agents of Shield, and I've wanted to, but I, I kind of been disappointed. I, I would have earlier, but now that I'm I'm figuring out that it because originally it was canon to the MCU, and now it's not. So kind of it's kind of disappointing me and making pushing me away from wanting to watch it. But at some point, I will. Uh, it's actually funny that you mention that because it does even up into season. Let's see, I just finished. It's up until I think season, season six. six or whatever, and then season the newest six. one they just completely ignore the snap because. And I, I get why they had to do it, but I'm just kind of like, eh, because it's one of those series that I don't, I haven't watched, but like I've kind of kept up with like what's been going on in it, and I heard yeah. about that, and I was kind of like, well, that's kind of disappointing. I, I don't know if I want to watch it now because that's not actually a part of the events at, at this point. And did they ever well, explain at, at that? Season seven. Yeah, they they do kind of because it's like they kind of get into like alternate realities and shit like that. OK, um, so like seasons one through six, you actually hear them mentioning, you know, like uh, after Coulson dies, like they mentioned, like the Tahiti moment, um, you know, they mentioned, you know, Avengers moments. They are cleaning up during uh, the Shatari um, attacks, like they're cleaning up all the wreckages and having to take care and, you know, do protection details on, on alien artifacts and things like that. So it is actually pretty canon up until season seven. From what I understand, I, th- I think it's like different realities or it's like time travel or something. So they're not present during the snap. Okay. So it's like, you know, the you're left to fill in the blanks that basically because of time travel shenanigans, they've shifted into an alternate reality where that didn't happen. I believe so, or it's like they're in a parallel where it hasn't existed yet, or maybe they're at a t- point in time. I don't think it's current with where they were at in Avengers when they filmed okay. it, because they were cutting the series short. Like, the series ended before. Like, they had already wrapped, I believe, right as Endgame was coming out. Yeah, because so it, it was wasn't season tying. six, I think, was, was coming up with Infinity War. And, and they yeah, were tying the, it in and mentioning events, and then it's like, so Thanos was coming and all that, and then all of a sudden... You know, they jump forward a year later and the snap never happened. And I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying if they actually let everybody in, Agent May would whoop everybody's ass. And she would be along with all of the females that saved Tom Holland's little cute Spider-Man ass. Um, <laughs> Daisy would have absolutely just quaked everybody apart. Like, there would be no competition between Thanos and Quake. Just saying. Robbie Reyes, um, fucking Ghost Rider. Hells yeah. Why was he not brought in? Him and Tony Stark would have been best fucking friends. 
there's so yeah like i could fangirl we are completely on a tangent i am so sorry i <laughs> love that good. show that's what i'm um, here brett for. dalton as ward of course in that is a fantastic actor he makes you fall in love with him just for him to snap your heart into ten thousand little pieces and you have to pick it up slowly as each season goes along um and just for them to do it again in an alternate reality just so you know and break your heart again is this something we do now this is something we do now. We gotta. We have to go on tangents. No, he literally like she, like she. He wakes up and he's like, "Hey, babe," and he goes, "Is this something we do now?" And he just sticks his arm out at her because she was sticking his arm at him. My wife. My wife texted me. It's a long text that I really should. Uh, uh, res- deserves a good response. So I'm gonna tell her. I'm gonna respond to that in a second. Smart move. <laughs> As a wife, I can definitely recommend just being like, hey, busy for a couple seconds. I will actually respond in a minute and it won't be half-assed. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> some more tangents. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the quality of the motion performances were awesome. And, and I felt like the graphics were really good too, right? Yeah, for, for, um, for a game of this kind of feel and aesthetic, it was actually a pretty game. Um, as you know, guys, I'm sure everybody knows I'm a graphics junkie. I love my graphics a little bit too much. Uh, this game was actually really pretty um, aesthetically pleasing, uh, especially, you know, considering where it was based, um, which was up on top of what is it? Is it Blackwood Mountain? Blackwood Mountain. Yeah, I like the uh, the particle effects that they implemented. Um, I know that mm-hmm. there was like volumetric lightning lighting lighting that was used um yeah you know especially yeah with the snow and everything um uh, it just has a, just such a creepy atmosphere and and just overall the graphics are are really really impressive i'm glad that this game came out on ps4 and that they waited yes. to do that yeah i definitely agree um especially because like you know ps3 was a great console but there's only so much that it can do you know especially you know as we're coming into the season of the new consoles um it, you have to keep up with with the graphics that are coming out, not just with TVs, but with, you know, technology. And, you know, I, I don't think this game could have been executed any other way because, you know, even even though we're not quite there yet, some games you can literally turn your head and you can see the pores on their faces. And yeah. it's, it's, it's intense. It is intense. And overall, I think the presentation and the execution were done well. There's no glaring bugs or, or glitches. And, and maybe because, the, you know, we have such a linear story here and you're in these self-contained environments, you can't push the limits of that. So, But overall, I mean, this game aim, executes well exactly what it aims to do. And so you've got to give it props for that. Um, I believe that this game did actually get good positive reception generally. Um, at least according to Metacritic, the, uh, the, the aspects of this game that were most praised was the, the butterfly effect system. Um, and, and even like we said earlier, the aspect of having to force players to live with their choices actually is what makes mm-hmm. the game. That strict autosave system is actually what, and, and it, it, it was used to great, to good effect. It did what it, what it was trying to do. And the performances have also, were also met with acclaim as well. Like, like we, we're we're agreeing you know 
Yeah, they were definitely very worthy performances, especially for people who, you know, like Hayden Panettiere has been in, in her fair share of things, but I feel like she did an amazing job being able to capture, you know, being in a horror sequence, especially for someone who, who doesn't seem, you know, like the type to be in one, um, even though she's, you know, kind of perceived as like the, the blonde. <laughs> she's perfect for a horror movie. She's like, she's a to- she's a, a, definitely a final girl, like right there. That That is a final girl if I've ever seen one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, true. Um, also... Um, I mean, just, just a lot of, even how they can like maintain relationships. I mean, you can see it in a game when it's final cut, but you got to realize like whenever they're developing a game, like you have to literally just sit there and stare at a mocap screen yeah, and, and sit there and read a line off of a page. So the fact that they were able to tie all this together and actually make it seem like they were dynamic towards each other was actually a very, very good performance for me personally. Um, I'm very, very intrigued by like, uh, voice cap and things like that. Um, I just am so fascinated by voice acting. Like, I thought I would be able to do it because I, I can do some pretty good impressions. So I feel like I'd, I wouldn't be too bad at it. But, like, it's interesting how it all comes together and, like, watching it. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, and then even the uh, the QTEs, which most people will criticize. Um, and obviously we have our fair share of critics. Just just the fact that they use QTEs in the first place, which I've never gotten. I've always liked them. I've always felt like they're really satisfying and cool. And they make they make what would normally be a boring cutscene cooler. But um, even the yeah, even the absolutely. haters, you know, a lot of people w- would say that the QTEs are used well here because this is the type of game that you need quick time events in. Yeah, it really is. I feel like the game wouldn't be the same if you didn't have the quick time events because it's not gonna, it's not gonna have the sense of urgency that you're looking for if you don't have this type of event, which is it's it's kind of integral to the game itself. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have the same experience without it. Yeah, there there has been some criticism aimed at the implementation of the motion controls. Um, a lot of people felt that that was kind of gimmicky. I didn't use the motion controls. I used the traditional controls, which does use some motion, and I felt like it was a good balance. Yeah. So I think originally when the game came out, it was motion control only, and I think that they ended up patching that, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong. They did, yeah. Um, at least the game was originally envisioned as motion only when it was a PS Move title. So, But I, I thought the motion controls, with whenever you do the traditional controls, were actually pretty tolerable, and I, I didn't have a huge issue with it. As far as sales goes, I mean, I heard that I've heard that the game actually did end up surpassing uh, the company expectations, either by Supermassive's expectations or probably Sony's. Um, and in fact, it was not only a best-selling game but a top-trending game on YouTube um, in August 2015, and and it's it was the best. It was the second best-selling retail game in the UK on its release week, just right behind uh, Gears of War Ultimate Edition. It was the Ultimate Edition. Was that the, like, 2015? What year was that one? I'm assuming that it, that would be 2015, yeah. That guess when the game came out. Um, well, I know. Uh, I think it might have been uh, when they, re- they released uh, the first game. They, like, kind of, not like a... Um, yeah, it's an Ultimate Edition. Remaster, but like an U- Ultimate Edition kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, that's what, the, that's what it was. It was the Ultimate Edition. This game did win one award, the British Academy Games Awards. Uh, in 2016, it won Original Property, and it was nominated for several others, including Golden Joystick, the Game Awards, South by Southwest, uh, National Academy of Video Game Trade Reviews, and other British Academy Awards it was nominated for. So, and I, I felt like it, it, it honestly is deserved. This game broke a lot of boundaries. Is it, you know, a perfect game or like an absolute masterpiece, mind-blowing, something that's never been done before? No, but it... 
it has a lot of new interesting concepts. It's executed well, you know? Absolutely, yeah. This game was, ex especially, you know, for something that, that I guess that they... I feel like this is the way that a lot of big games this are. The um, they weren't expecting it, and it just slaps. Uh, and it, it really did. This game was a, was a pretty big slap for me, even though you know I really made myself catastrophically fuck up in my first playthrough <laughs> because I felt like it was in, I, it was needed. Yeah, I mean, and, and it did well enough to warrant its own spinoff and prequel. There's a there's a VR arcade shooter called <laughs> Until Dawn: Rush of Blood. Um, I don't know what it has to do with this at all. I don't. I guess it just exists in the same universe. Um, it's not canonical to the storyline, but that's available on P PlayStation VR. Came out in 2016, and actually, there's also a prequel, full blown prequel, which I'm also struggling to find out exactly how it really connects to to Until Dawn. But because it's a first person survival horror game with not as many interactive elements. Um, but there is the idea of player choices determining the outcome of the story, and it's set 60 years before the original. That's called The Inpatient. Yeah. And that's on PS4 and PSVR. Which, actually, I find really interesting, because like I wouldn't have even thought that was like something that would have been out there, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, came out just a couple years ago in 2018. I'd never heard of it, but... <laughs> yeah. But I guess we'll, we'll sort of wrap it up from here. What are your final thoughts on this, Megan? Um, final thoughts on this game. This is definitely a worthy game if you're wanting to, like, tiptoe your way into the, um, horror game kind of style. Um, of course, you know, you're going to have your butterfly choices, so be careful about what you do. Um, I, I feel like if this is something that, you know, you're wanting to see what's out there, but not exactly shit your pants your first playthrough, it's, it's a good pick. It's not too completely, like, in your face, like, I'm going to fucking stab you with the rotted half <laughs> broken off fucking scissor blade like in some horror games outlast talking to you <laughs> um uh but I, I feel like this is a pretty good like starter horror game it's it's you know definitely interesting in its own style um if if you like any of the the people mentioned above you know everybody loves Rami Malek because he did such a good job you know impersonating um Freddie Mercury so I mean that's a good reason to check it out the man's a great glorious beautiful man um <laughs> <laughs> Hayden Painted Tears just she's hot everybody can say that she's gorgeous beautiful stunning woman definitely has really really good mocap if you're wanting to do something that's you know sort of out there uh I think coming down to it it's it's worth the pickup especially because you know it's not too expensive now it's what a couple bucks if if not if not nothing else it's you know you're just you're a little bit of a chip in for your ps now so yeah definitely fuck it, try it do it especially if you're missing spoopy season this is a good way to get back into spoopy season <laughs> i agree and, and like i think i agree with what you said as well is it's it, it's a good entry-level horror game because there's not as much focus on the horror it just kind of has those elements that make it feel like a horror slasher film especially from like the 80s um but it there are some ten there is a plenty of, of tenseness and terror throughout there's a good share of jump scares I, I forgot to mention earlier it was the uh it's the baby wolverine scene i don't know why oh but for some reason yeah. that scared the fuck out of me when it happened and it, it it plays off so well because as soon as as soon as you um as soon as the the you see it on screen you're like oh well that's nothing i shouldn't have been scared of that so i, I think that's why it pays off for me but <laughs> that was that was the one that got me um i love the sense of urgency i love being stuck in situations where you have to you know there's another situation with chris and ashley where he's gotta either shoot her or shoot him in order to stop a a, a 
a uh, a blade coming through, and I couldn't do either one. I just kind of let it go, and, and it ended up okay for the characters. <laughs> oh yeah, I totally forgot about that sequence. Yeah, I haven't. I picked it up a little bit, but I just played through the beginning just to get kind of a sense of feel for like the engine of the game and yeah. like the play style. So I just totally hadn't even. I haven't played it in a while. I won't lie to you guys. I kind of did like a little bit of a recap for myself, but yeah. like I haven't, I'd like those iconic moments like that. Like I kind of have forgotten over time, but you know, I, I really think the game picks up later on, you know, I kind of midway through is where it really picks up when you start playing as, as soon as I think when Jessica died and Mike is like in the sanatorium and you know, I think I played, yeah, I played the rest of the game from that point all the way to the end in one sitting, whereas it had taken me like several weeks to get up to that. So once you get into the game, I will say like it really picks up and um, you really just like I said, you feel the urgency, you feel the weight. Um, it's an it's an awesome game to pick up. It doesn't even have to be spooky season. I mean, you can you can play it any time. And I think it really fits the tone. And and, and and I think it's it's a neat concept. I'd like to see the game, a game like this, really extrapolate more and have, like like I said, more choices of outcome. And maybe the story could be just completely different depending on your on your choices. But I do like what is available here. And, and it does feel like you do get to have some, like I said, you, you can have all the characters live or none of them live, you know? So, and, and there's even a little bit of sense of, you know what? I really hate this character. Let them die. You know, <laughs> Emily, <laughs> Josh. <laughs> I wanted Josh to die so many times, but I feel like I should, I just sent him to the wolves anyways. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, um, I, I think it's great. I, I love it. Um, I had a ton of fun with it. I would definitely pick it up again and i, I kind of did i like how at the end of the game you can go through and you can try to make you can go back to one chapter but you have to pick up everywhere from that chapter but you can go back and yeah and then you can you can reload from a certain point so if you're like i don't want to get through all the intro again i just want to get back to this part where i made this decision you can do that <laughs> absolutely yeah but it, yeah it is great it is a thrilling experience you can get through it in in one night um you can play it until dawn <laughs> oh my god you had to you just had to which by the way I, I, we also forgot to mention that the entire game takes place in one night and so every chapter yes. is telling you how many hours are until dawn another thing also that we've totally forgot to mention is they're literally coming up to this cabin to like something i don't remember exactly what happened but something catastrophic happened one year exactly before it's the anniversary of their friends up to deaths. like yeah their friend died, and literally all of them fucking die if you end up fucking up bad enough, guys. Yeah. So just warning you, it's pretty fucking depressing. That's the prologue segment, too. Like, the original plot of the game, like, there are a couple characters that die in the beginning. You can't save them. They do die. Hannah and Beth die, no matter what you do. But it introduces you to the concepts of the game. It's a tutorial segment that shows you, like, here are some choices that you can make, but you can make them safely because they don't actually have any outcome on anything. But so that was actually pretty cool. But I love the the, the layer of storytelling. I I can't say it enough that I love these types of games. I love you know also the Telltale games. And I think that Until Dawn is is like you said. I think is definitely worth a pickup. It's on PlayStation now. If you wanna, if you're subscribed to that service, you can check it out. Yep. But uh, yeah. Uh, hope everyone had a happy Halloween. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please leave us some feedback. You can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Go check us out on Podchaser, um, which is kind of the, the social network for, for podcasters. Speaking of social media, we are also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you like collateral gaming and you like uh, you like horror slasher movies, like like how this game is presented, you'll also love my other podcast, Collateral Cinema, which I'm on with Bo and Robert. That's a lot of fun. Um, we just got out our Halloween episode on um, uh, Night of the Living Dead, the, the original. And by the time this comes out, we should be pretty, if it's not already out, we'll have our episode on Spider-Man 3 out, which uh, I took the lead on. That was one of my picks. Uh, next time on Collateral Gaming, we're going to be talking about The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, I'm Guys, I haven't started playing yet, and I'm already scared because like the first game made me cry like a little bitch. So just just keep some tissues a- apart for me and just leave us some good reviews so I have something to smile about. At me on Instagram and send me some memes. Send me some shit on Facebook and Twitter so I don't cry my eyes out, please. Just send me some fire memes please yeah (laughs) (laughs) um that is a controversial game i think it honestly could have been game of the year if it wasn't so divisive so that'll be interesting to talk about and see um spoiler i i like it i think it's great so far but i haven't beat it yet so we'll see how i feel by the end and i've heard that's the part that a lot of people are are um are mad about but zach liked it so um and megan we'll see how she feels you will see how alan feels as well yeah alan will actually be on this episode guys so uh, we'll finally be coming on uh together for uh, season three so that'll be fun Hell <laughs> my yeah. husband's like uh, i haven't played that one haven't played that one didn't play that as a kid i'm like okay well i guess we'll see you at some point on the podcast thanks <laughs> but stay safe guys you can find collateral gaming wherever you get your podcasts at we are on apple Podcasts, spotify youtube google play etc and if there's anywhere we're not on let me know so i'll put us on <laughs> yeah please absolutely let us know we are excited about the rest of the season we are just starting out season three of collateral gaming and we have a lot of really cool games to talk to you guys about so uh, we have lots of content coming keep it keep it uh keep it hype for us we're trying to keep y'all uh keep y'all good and give y'all some more shit to listen to and uh, hang out and watch us do. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, in addition, next month, I also wanted to mention, we are also going to be doing a couple game launch episodes. We're going to be talking about Spider-Man Miles Morales and uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. So stay tuned for those as well. Y'all, if this podcast episode gets enough likes, Alan will buy me a Switch. There you go. There you go. I'm putting it into existence. Download <laughs> download this podcast and and if we get enough likes and downloads then uh then get a uh, sad Megan a switch. <laughs> <laughs> at some point at some point my my plan was uh when we get enough downloads we should all get a should all get a tattoo. Ooh. Collateral gaming. How tattoo. many? How many? I'm itching. <laughs> well, on Collateral Cinema, I think we we pushed it up to 5,000 or, or, or 10,000. No, we're already past 5,000. We're, we're pushing up to 10,000 on Collateral Cinema. So I guess we got to hold ourselves by the same standards. Collateral, 10,000 downloads, and, we'll, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll all get tattoos. Well, I guess I can't tell Just everybody else Don't make me put to. something on my ass cheek. <laughs> Bro, probably not. Um, probably just like a game controller wherever you want. Um, link us together. There you go. But we, we rambled on long enough. Stay tuned for that episode on The Last of Us Part 2. Stay tuned for our our, um, our game launch episodes. We're also coming up on our, uh, in December, we'll be doing our uh, our anniversary special and our holiday special 
I won't reveal those yet. We'll, we'll as we get a little bit closer, we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, guys, please, 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 uh, stay tuned for some great content. We are really excited to be doing this, and we can't thank our listeners and fellow podcasters enough. Absolutely, we love you guys a lot. Alrighty, well, happy belated Halloween, everyone. We hope you stay safe, and um, also, you know, I know election just happened, so especially stay safe. And other than that, uh, I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Megan Gomez, and we are out. We are out. Collateral Gaming is an L Company production. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor. Everything you do, every decision you make from now on will open doors to the future. I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this as you play your game.